You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to www.3cr.org.au. 3CR would like to acknowledge the Kulin Nations, true owners, caretakers and custodians of the land from which we broadcast. We recognise their unceded sovereignty and pay respect to elders past, present and emerging. That is the Kinks, the Village Green Preservation Society, and this is Uprise Radio. My name is Jackson. In the studio with me is James. Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in again. Uh, We appreciate your ears. Your listenership, very much so. And we're playing that song uh, because today we're going to be talking a bit about the Save Footscray Park campaign. Now, the Kinks, of course, there were being quite ironic about the type of people who would come out uh, in support of a Village Green, but earlier uh, this month... Uh, Gemma Carafala, who is both a broadcaster here on 3CR with uh, Down by Law and also quite involved in the Save Footscray Park movement, was saying that this issue is actually a class issue in the other direction, whereby a poor suburb like Maribyrnong is being stripped of something that's uh, in very short supply, in this case, large open green spaces while there's an increase in population going on. And the reason that it's being stripped away is in, say, Footscray Park's perspective, uh, to feather the nest of an already very wealthy um, company or organisation called Melbourne Victory, which I'm sure many of our listeners have heard of. I think it's interesting, you know, as gentrification kind of takes over different um, places within Melbourne and, of course, across the world, that public spaces really uh, do change. Yesterday I was walking through the city and as everyone I'm sure knows of the kind of new works happening with the train stations across across Melbourne, which, you know, I think is is a really productive and positive thing. There are downsides to some of that as well though. And, you know, one of those is City Square, which, you know, a lot of um us were part of the Occupy protests and, and has been part of many protests over the years, mm. is now a giant concrete um, building, um, you know, which will be one of the main, I think, station mm. parts of that. So it, it is interesting, you know, I think that lots of them, uh, while there, there may be benefits to the community or certain sections of the community, it, it doesn't come, um, or does come, sorry, with, with downside as well. Yeah, and public spaces, like the benefits... I mean, it wouldn't surprise listeners to, to know the importance of having open green space for mental health, for well-being, especially as we, we desperately need more medium-density living in Melbourne. So, you know, the the growth of, you know, tower living and high-rises and things, while it's, um, it causes some people to be aghast, it's actually really necessary as we continue to grow. Um, but there needs to be adequate public space for people to get out and use and, you know, be able to walk around just to feel close to nature. I mean, studies that have been done linking just spending time in nature is as good as taking, you know, a, a course of SSRIs, you know, in terms of dealing with anxiety and depression. I think there's um, been a lot of research in that space. And I think it's also worth talking about this issue because the privatisation of public assets is a really big problem, to my mind, all around uh, 
the Western world or the neoliberal world. You know, this is something we've seen here in Victoria and can it privatise the energy system? You know, the outcomes for those living in the Latrobe Valley who worked for, you know, for the former state electricity service, or the, um, you know, were terrible. And the cost for consumers, which is always, you know, the carrot put at the end of the stick to say, well, it'll, it'll end up be- being better for you if we privatise, you know, you'll get a better service and it'll be cheaper. And we, mm. we have neither of those things. Often the service becomes really appalling as companies cost, cut, cut costs in the search for more and more profit. And of course, in the search for more and more profit, costs often go up, mm. you know, regardless of scrapping a carbon tax or you know, whatever other uh, levers that are pulled, you know, big stick approach, you know, we, we just see prices skyrocket and conditions for workers decline uh, and levels of employment decline uh, and I community engagement. We're seeing a bit of a pushback uh, from those kind of, you know, 20, 30 years of neoliberal cuts in with leaders like um, Bernie Sanders and Jeremy Corbyn as well. And I think, uh, well, I think, you know, Sanders is, is very interesting and the kind of things that they're looking at in America, I think it's probably more relatable to look at the UK in terms of Australia of, of a um, more um, uh, more mirrored, I guess, kind of political system and things like that. And mm-hmm. uh, some of the things that um, Corbyn is wanting to bring in are, are really the, are those things, you know, of bringing back some more, um, you know, public ownership and, you know, really taking back that ownership and saying we we've given that these things over to private companies and all of they all they've done is run things into the ground and mm. made you know a handful of people really really wealthy it's interesting you mentioned the uk because it's a real critical moment right now on the cusp of brexit there's a lot of nervousness in the british labor party about what this new solve all the problems free trade deal with the us will mean for that last great uk public institution the national health service mm. because you know donald trump who's obviously you know one of the architects of this new great free trade deal between johnson and trump has openly said that this is going to allow you know american pharmaceutical companies to to sell to this huge british market you know this aging this aging nation you know with uh, very high service needs in the health sector uh, this is a little clip from john mcdonnell who's um corbyn's uh, shadow chancellor about the privatization of the nhs deals that are being negotiated then means our nhs will be hit with high pharmaceutical costs and will be ripped off it's the first wedge is the first foot in the door of selling off our NHS. I do not believe Trump's assurances, and I don't think many people do. There is a risk here, and I believe nobody, nobody would want our NHS put in the hands of Donald Trump. It's not even safe in the hands of Boris Johnson. What we're talking about is privatisation on the NHS on a scale we've not seen so far. Although this government is privatising the NHS, billions are being put out to private companies. We believe that what's happening now is the first step in selling us out to American pharmaceutical companies and other private companies. And I do not Mm. believe Donald Trump because he's made contradictory statements. The evidence is before our eyes. The meetings are taking place already. And privatisation, it's a problem across all different sectors. And it's part of this broader narrative that governments can't run essential services. But, you know, this was something that was kind of going ahead without any public oversight. You know, the only consultation the council had involved in was a technical feasibility study, which is essentially checking whether it was possible to build mm-hmm. new soccer fields, not whether the new soccer fields were needed, not whether there was the demand in the community, not whether there was the community uh, desire to have this new development in what is, you know, the only large public park in the city of Footscray. So I think it's it's just quite inspiring that everyday citizens can come together around common cause it's 
it's uh, and, and they have put pressure on council. They've 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 scuppered the the plans in the short term, and they've uh, been successful in forming a community advisory panel, which will has now been assembled and includes members from other sporting clubs that are based in the West and have been in the West for generations who already have young people uh, playing with them who are around the same area, as well as local schools, uh, Victoria University, which is a sports university, who are. In, you know, probably in favour of the development with Melbourne Victories or give them access to a high-quality uh, sporting um, facility and a high-quality training regime where they can run some programs through it. But this council, it also includes five community members, you know, that, that, are, that are just everyday members, and we're going to be lucky enough to be joined by one of them. Sharon's going to come in and have a chat to us. And they're going to be advising the council. Uh, also, the Wurundjeri Tribal Council uh, member from there is, is involved in the community advisory panel as well, though I'm not sure whether they've taken up that offer as yet. Um, they're going to be advising the council on amendments to the Footscray Park Master Plan, the community benefits of the Youth Academy as outlined in the proposal, and the possible location of the Youth Academy and supporting facilities. I think just with Victoria University, that the things they're, they're also a sponsor. They're in partnership with Melbourne Victory as well. Mm. So I think that, you know, that's not an uncommon thing. You know, Geelong Football Club um, has a partnership with Deakin, you know, which obviously Deakin is a university that, you know, grew from Geelong as well. And that's meant that that what they've done in Geelong is that, you know, they have a high performance um, training uh, centre and a training ground that's like the MCG kind of size at Deakin. So that can be used in partnership with the university there and they can use it. That seems like a more feasible kind of thing that, you know, there I don't I don't know the ground around it, but there is space around Victoria University that, you know, Melbourne Victory could be looking to use that with their partnership there yeah, rather than taking over existing ground. Existing public space. And, and venue has a number of campuses as well. You know, yeah, it's not essential. Yeah. I think of course it's very appealing to Melbourne Victory. Footscray is, is right at the edge of the city. It's very easy access. Particularly people. as they're competing with the two other Melbourne um, a league teams, yeah. Well, so you can space this. It's prime real estate. It's got river frontage. You know, it's a beautiful part of the city. It's got some of the most amazing views, and that's another reason the public want to protect it. But I think one of the key phrases here in, in what the community advisory panel are saying to council is whether or not this development is of community benefit. I was quite interested in that, so I actually went down to the park on Cup Day. It's often full. Uh, there was it was great actually this year. There were very few people watching the race. There was a lot of XR people there um, protesting. There was also the Safe Footscray Park people. A lot of people just enjoying the park with their kids, but no one was really interested in the race. You know, I just, I got to just say, I had my, my daughter, my first daughter was born this week and um, I hope in 10 years there won't even be a cup for people to say, oh, she was born near the cup. Well, what cup? It's not even, doesn't even exist anymore. But um, I went down and spoke to some people about what community benefit meant to them. Uh, after we have a listen to this, we'll be back with Sharon from the Community Advisory Panel. Well, the community benefit for me is keeping our park for the people, as it's always been. You can just come down here and just sit if you want to. Or you can play a game or you can do whatever you like and not privatise and not with a fence around it. And it's not for profit. Just just people. That's what it means to me. Um, probably just having a place where you can take the kids and just, you know, the playground here is awesome and just beautiful having, yeah, the open parkland as well. All of the community using it, having access and to their benefit, yeah. Can people practice leisure in their own idiosyncratic way, in their own form, and can they just go into this glorious space and be in it and do whatever they want 
And that has a wonderful effect on the community. People yearn for that kind of openness. You know, we live in a very crowded kind of city, you know. And this is one of the few spaces left where you can do that. I'm a big fan of it. I think it, it provides a school, Footscray Learning Precinct and the schools, uh, opportunities to use the fields during day late hours. It gives opportunities to... Uh, sports clubs to use the fields as well outside when Melbourne Victory is not using it and um, I think there's so many benefits um, as role models particularly with the W League team and the best female football players in Australia will be coming to play football in Footscray Park. This is an issue regarding the land who owns the land I, I can't understand this Melbourne Victory is bringing this, what are they bringing? Nothing to the area I mean, they've taken already up in River Street in Maribyrnong. They've taken over the cricket ground over there and turned that into a young sports pavilion for the training. Now they want this area down here. And it was supposed to be for women, the young ladies, to be doing it. It's rubbish. It's being used now for their under-18 side, their under-16 side, the women's side. They're conning us, absolutely conning us. What Melbourne Victory has got to do with uh, the western suburbs is nothing. They're a team based around the centre of the city and the eastern suburbs. I'm, I've had a look at both sides of the argument and um, I'm actually not as opposed to it as other people might be. What to you appeals about the plan? Uh, I think it's a space that doesn't particularly get used much. Um, I think there's ample park space to enjoy with your family and kids and, and other things um, here and I like the idea of more people being able to use or be get fit and healthy by doing sporting activity. I think what the concern is is that it's public area and how much they're taking and how much how long they're taking it for and if it's locked in what's going to happen if, if it doesn't work. Well they say they're not going to sell it they say they're leasing it for free for 21 years minimum so but there's no community benefit there. There's no finance coming back to us. And what it'll be, they'll, they'll recondition the oval, but it won't be for people, for us. For 40 hours a week, it'll be blocked off to the community. I think it's definitely important. It would be important that the community does have access to it at certain times. Um, and that, that it is a shared space and not a completely private one. Um, if they're going to profit off it and not allow people to use it, then I don't see any value in the, the council actually allowing Melbourne Victory to do it. And it's the best thing we have in Footscray. And to give it up would be horrible. So that was just a few of the opinions from down in the park. Obviously, um, a wide variety there, but I think what comes through really strongly is that the community have got to have access to the park um, and it's you know, it would be great to see uh, some investment in that field by the council, I think, are the two things that came across there to me. Uh, we're now joined by Sharon Schwab, who is a member of the community advisory panel that we mentioned before, and she's also co-chair of Save Footscray Park. Thanks for joining us, Sharon. Thank you for having me. So can you tell us a little bit about what's been going on at the community advisory panel? Um, what do the council want to know and what have you been telling them? Uh, we've effectively been reviewing the proposal, or the Memorandum of Understanding specifically, with respect to um, the proposal of having the grass competition field, the two hybrid turf soccer fields, a two-storey 4,000-square-metre stadium with a mezzanine level, uh, 367 metres of 1.1-metre fencing, 370 metres of 1.8-metre fencing and 56 metres with 3-metre fencing around a competition grass field. Sorry, Sharon, is that 300 metres of 1.8-metre fencing? 
370 metres of 1.8 metre fencing. That's actually going to go around the competition field for the Women's League. Mm-hmm. So, and that will be um, 1.8 metres high. Um, and then at either end of the field, they're looking at three metres behind the actual soccer fields as well. Mm. Um, over and above that, there's going to be ten light towers that will actually orient the three fields specifically and permanently for soccer only. Um, and obviously, if you're talking about um, old W League Stadium, you're also talking about loudspeakers, an electronic scoreboard, sirens. So, you know, it's not going to be a low-impact mm. development. It's certainly going to be a high-impact, high-use development. And Melbourne Victory has already said that they anticipate 300,000 patrons per year. Wow. Sorry, Melbourne Victory have um, spoken about that as a really positive way of bringing people into the community to, you know, as they say, an underutilised space. But, you know, I think that that's obviously going to have a real impact on the environment as well, isn't it? Look, oh, absolutely. I mean, you're talking about Footscray Park, which is a heritage value park. Um, it's actually uh, the state's most intact Edwardian park. Um, mm. It is recognised by the Heritage Council of Victoria as Footscray Park is important for its historical, aesthetic, scientific, horticultural and social significance to the state of Victoria. Um, you know, we've had Rodney Allsop, who in 1911... Um, actually designed it, and David Matthews, who was the superintendent of Parks and Gardens, he actually um, curated it from 1916 to 1964. Uh, and Footscray Park is actually his signature statement piece um, of all these most magnificent palm trees. Mm. So, you know, it's it's got the heritage values, it's got the vistas, it's got the social elements. That's where my mind first went. It's an incredible view of uh, the west of Melbourne and the city and the race course and the showgrounds. You know, it's just really amazing. And, you know, to be honest, I've lived in the west of my life. We're not spoilt for amazing views in, in the west, you know. Um, Correct, and- yes. And actually the Heritage Council has actually recognised those vistas mm. for their historical value. So to actually, where they're actually talking about placing this 4,000 square metre pavilion is smack bang on the space where you would normally stand to have those magnificent vistas. Mm. So that's pretty much basically going to be an eyesore where you're looking from the Maribyrnong River across to the botanical landscape, um, you know, down to the duck ponds and things like that. So, Mm. you know. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, one of the things that Melbourne Victory are promising is an increase in female participation in sport. In your research, what evidence have you seen for the truth of that statement? Uh, Well, look, there's always there's definitely an increase in sport, um, not just soccer. It's actually from my conversations with our local community sports clubs as well. It's actually across the whole broad spectrum. So from soccer, AFL, cricket, gridiron, um, rugby, softball, gymnastics, etc. You know, there's been a really huge push by the state government to create you know uh, more opportunities for girls and women in sport Mm. and you know we're very supportive of that Uh, Melbourne Victory is not actually proposing that specifically for Footscray Park Um, girls will actually get use of it for about 11.7% of the time Um, outside of that you'll have the women's league competitions once a month so it's predominantly going to end up being um, a male oriented sports academy Mm. And yeah. for elite juniors, yeah? Not not for people who live in Maribyrnong, but for elite that, juniors. Yeah, that's correct. It's not grassroots sports. It's actually invitation only where um, Melbourne Victory will actually go out, scout across the state of Victoria for the best um, soccer kids or mm. soccer juniors, offer them scholarship to come in mm. and train at those facilities. So unfortunately, mm. the local kids will actually be excluded um, through all the peak use periods, which is obviously when community want to use it and will definitely be needing it. Has there been a lease document 
from Melbourne Victory about that, like about the hour, the terms of hours of use in the lease. Have you seen that in your role with the community advisory panel? Uh, we haven't specifically seen any lease because it's only a memorandum of understanding at this time. There actually isn't any lease that has been entered into. Mm-hmm. Um, they're talking about up to 40 hours per week. So if you're talking 40 hours per week and you're talking about when kids are outside of their school period, mm-hmm. that's effectively from 4 until 9 o'clock every single night, which equates Monday to Friday, that's 25 hours. Mm-hmm. And then if you're looking at, say, a game day um you're looking at you know 9 a.m until 4 30 p.m to mm-hmm. cater to all the age groups so that's another seven and a half hours on a saturday seven and a half hours on a sunday that's your 40 hours mm-hmm. so that's all the peak use periods of when the community would actually go down and utilize that part of the park so there's a real conflict regarding mm-hmm. use so you, you're advising the council i actually had an off the record conversation with a councillor last week and I don't need to name them, but they essentially said that the location is not up for debate. The location is set. We're just going to decide the size of the development. But in the uh, terms of reference of the community advisory panel, it does say the possible – one of the things you're presenting on is the possible location of the youth academy and sporting facilities. Do you think there's other locations that this development could go and be of more benefit to the Maribyrnong community? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you're talking about, you know, a proper location and even you're talking about the $10 million of state money that has been allocated to Melbourne Victory to create a wonderful new asset, which Melbourne Victory would like to place in the western suburbs, um, Footscray Park is not it. It is Crown land. It's public park land. So, you know, if you're talking about protecting public land values, Melbourne Victory should be looking at a brownfield site to purchase and develop. It is their investment. It is their asset. And they will be actually conducting ticketed events Mm -hmm. from which they will profit from. So talking about public land, that's not an appropriate purpose and Mm -hmm. suitable use for that. Um, It's also not an appropriate use with respect to actually allocating $10 million because what you're actually doing is you're taking away and diminishing an existing community asset and privatising it where the benefit is then transferred to Melbourne Victory and their members. Mm. So... At another level, Shannon, I mean, you can call it Crown Land. You could also say it's Wurundjeri Land. Um, yeah. and, and I've been interested to note that the Wurundjeri have been invited to take part in this uh, community advisory panel. Have you spoken to anyone from the Wurundjeri Tribal Council? No. Look, we did inquire with council um, at the initiation of the panel and we were told that they hadn't received a response to take up the offer of actually sitting and partaking. Mm. So it's really fallen down to community members a historical society, a community group, and five local sports clubs. Mm. So, you know, um, with respect to the local sports clubs, it was actually their first introduction um, to the issue. They all expressed that they had not been um, approached by Melbourne Victory or Council prior to this since 2015. Mm. They were very surprised by the proposal and the fact that they weren't stakeholders in it. Mm. Um, They've each expressed that each of the um, Footscray Football Club, the Rugby Club the Footscray Cricket Club, VU Western Spurs, um, they're actually all at capacity at the moment. They're at the base of Footscray Park as well. Yeah, they adjoin the park, don't they, the fields that they use now? Yeah, that's yeah. right. They're actually the traditional kind of owners, well, not owners, sorry, users of that space, um, whereby, you know, they've been utilising and had a relationship with the area since the early 1900s, all of them, mm. um, and... Uh, they were quite, as I said, they were, they were quite surprised with respect to the actual proposal and immediately basically stated that, you know, 
because of the state government initiative of getting girls and women into sport, that it's actually done a really good job of that and um, all of their teams are at capacity mm. at, the per- at the present time for their field space. So they actually desperately need to expand and they were actually expecting to have Footscray Park available to them. And in fact, the um, Footscray Rugby Club in 2017 already made application to utilise Footscray Park. Mm. However, because of Melbourne Victory's proposal or MOU, confidential um, MOU with Maribyrnong Council, that could not be considered or accepted. So Mm. at this time, actual local non-for-profit community clubs are not being able to utilise a community asset, mm. which is very alarming. So, Sharon, how many fields does Maribyrnong Council currently have access to? Is there enough sporting fields in Maribyrnong? Uh, look, no, there's already currently a shortfall of five uh, sports levels in the city of Maribyrnong. Um, and for the actual potential lease period that Melbourne Victory is talking about, which is a starting of 21 years, but that can potentially go up to 65 years depending upon the negotiations, yeah. by 2041... Council anticipates there's going to be a shortfall of 27 sports fields to cater to our seven suburbs. Um, That's going to be 14 oval and 13 rectangular. Now, if you're looking at Footscray alone, there's going to be a shortfall of 10 sports fields, 6 oval and 4 rectangular. So it's actually really integral that we retain the sports fields within Footscray Park for community benefit. And we have received feedback from Maribyrnong Council that to actually bring the local sports fields up to a standard that will benefit both community and the non-for-profit local community sports clubs. It will be $1 to $2 million. And the local community sports clubs that I have been having conversations with, um, I believe that they actually already have got um, grants available to them to cover that. So um, money is not actually the issue at hand here. Mm. It just highlights the different in the scope of the develop the difference in the scope of the developments as well. Two million to make the field suitable for community use, as opposed to sixteen million for the Melbourne Victory proposal, which includes, as you've said, a large amount of fencing, a grandstand. Uh, which they're refusing to call, call a grandstand. Great. Light towers. A light towers, you know, which is really going to have more of an impact. I wonder, you know, some of the other existing, you know, perhaps soccer fields that are used, you know, could they be developed, um, you know, in this kind of way? Or, you know, because I said on, um, you know, the safefootscrapark.com website, which we encourage um, listeners to go to to check out some more information about what we're talking about and to get involved if they like to. But it says, you know, that... Um, the community, you know, welcome happily welcomes Melbourne Victory into the West, but you know, obviously there are problems, uh, you know, as you've been outlining with the current proposal. What could some of those other, you know, welcoming Melbourne Victory to the West, you know, what could that look like? Have they been involved in the community at all before? You know, through, you know, kind of fan training engagements or things like that, or you know, are there spaces that they could use? Uh, look, they haven't had any involvement with respect to the Western Suburbs. This is their first interest. Um, they're not a traditional Western Suburbs club. Mm. Um, so, you know, they're proposing uh, blue light, a blue light office within Footscray Park, within the pavilion. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that proposal's been on foot since 2015, but clearly it's only contingent upon them getting what they want. Um, you know, they could have either set up an office somewhere in Footscray, they could have set it up within Victoria University, mm. um, you know, if they're actually, you know, quite interested in helping the youth within our city. You know, we do have um, Phoenix Youth Services, we've got the Les Twentymans Foundation, mm. both fantastic foundations doing wonderful things with our local kids, mm. um, you know. So in that respect, it's a little bit disappointing that they're kind of throwing things out there, but it's all contingent upon them getting what they want. So it's kind of, you know... 
I think it's really important to acknowledge too that an elite training facility for a professional soccer club for juniors, that's really their bread and butter. Like they make a lot of money by training up young kids then selling them to other clubs. You know, they get transfer fees and you know, oh, that. So, so this is a large-scale investment for them. It's not about, you know, promoting young people to play sport. It's about developing products to sell. So I think um, I think that's an important thing to recognise as well. I'm really sorry, Sharon. We're actually running out of time. It's been great to talk to you. Thanks for coming in. Um, I want to finish the show by playing a song by a community member out in Maribyrnong, uh, someone called the Footscray Kid, who's put together uh, this track about, say, Footscray Park. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you in a fortnight's time. Thank you. Bye. The council have a Footscray Park master plan A part of it is to hand over public land So Melbourne Victory build a soccer academy To say it's disused and passive is a reality A large part of the park is gonna be lost Given to a private company for no cost The precious floodplains, what they will be leasing Less space as our population's increasing The park's for the people, not for profit, thank you Locals pay rent, but Melbourne Victory won't have to The second richest sports team in the country Why should they get public land for free? Free soccer fields are what they want to introduce The western lawn would mainly be for private use A beautiful view is what they're going to spoil A hybrid toxic turf won't be good for the soil They want to build ten floodlight towers there Now it's a place only a select few can share Council said the land was disused, that isn't fair They're the ones that left it in a state of disrepair The grounds don't get used we see through the lies Cause how can a view be underutilized Some kids don't play sport and go for the serenity So they'll be excluded from this great amenity Losing the space for many will be devastating Where will the open space be for future generations Council should live up to people's expectations And protect one of Footscray's only open spaces News of reckon the park is hard to hear It's been around for over a hundred years It was built by the people of Foot scray, don't take the natural beauty of it away. This land should never be up for grabs. One of the biggest Edwardian parks this country has. So to mess it up would be twisted. Footscray Park is heritage listed. They want to give a corporate. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.